feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be talking with Lacey Davis and Jim Kettner about their new book, Ink in Water. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Rachel, you haven't asked me that in a couple weeks. Um, sorry that you're not feeling well. Thank you. So just as a reminder, you can find us in select places. You should, if you haven't already, find us on your favorite podcast application and subscribe. You get extra FKJ points if you leave us a review on iTunes. On the social media tip... You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Facebook, you can either like our page, Feminist Killjoys PhD, or you can join our closed community group, which is Feminist Killjoys Community WTF Power exclamation point. And we have a reading group where we're reading Emergent Strategy right now. And how can uh, listeners find the reading group online, Rachel, on Facebook? FKJ PhD reading group in the just search that in Facebook and you will find us there's been some great conversation I'm excited I just are you are you um, liking the book it's a little hippie woo woo it's a little you know how I feel about theory you know (laughs) um yeah but it's so like oh it is it is it is um I'm really interested in reading more about this concept of having micro conversations or these just like small interactions it reminds me a lot of mm-hmm. organizing like having one-on-ones so i'm yeah. i'm curious how yep. i'm just curious to hear more so i just you know the yeah. weaving in of poetry and stuff i just kind of roll my eyes and keep going but like yeah that is not a dig <laughs> at the author or okay. anybody who's into that that's just me and my personal preferences so that's fair but i am enjoying the book it is it is challenging exciting and thought-provoking. Moving on to less important, well, you know, on to Spotify. I felt felt weird. Like, here's a theoretical (laughs) book. And also, we're on Spotify. (laughs) We have a uh, mixtape called the Feminist Killjoys PhD Mixtape, and you can follow that on the FI. And if you have extra dollars and want to support feminist media makers, such as Rachel and I, you can either leave a one-time donation on our website, which is feministkilljoyspodcast.com. Just click on the birdie. Or you can become a Patreon, where you leave a monthly micro-donation, in which we appreciate. And uh, Patreon subscribers get access to our Killjoy review newsletter, and if you... uh, Pledge $5 or more a month. You also get access to bonus episodes and bonus content of some sorts. And then, as always, you can email us at fkj.phd at gmail.com. How are you, Rachel? I was really sick. I had strep throat. Strep throat as an adult is like brutal, hell, horrible, nightmare, sickness, and it was awful. Um, And then I went to the doctor and got medicine and got better. So that is good news. So that's my major update. What about you? My major update is uh, I'm in a current event spiral again, because I will not talk about this at length, but we'll Mm -hmm. have to do that on a soon to be episode because I'm sure people are like, are they not going to mention that Donald Trump just proposed a different travel ban on Sunday evening? Are they not going to talk about the NFL and 
the national anthem and kneeling and all yeah. that stuff. Oh, we will. We could maybe we'll record our bonus app and people can find it. That actually is a genius idea because then we can just like rant and be a little bit more free form. I had a really, anyways, I guess my yeah. major check-in is that I had a really good conversation with my intercultural communication class today. We were supposed to talk about model minorities, but people wanted to really talk about mm-hmm. the travel ban and the situation going on with the NFL and Donald Trump and his use of Twitter. And mm-hmm. so I found that to be a lot more educational at this moment than talking about readings on model minorities, which we will definitely yep. get to on Wednesday. But, you know, it's you have to take those moments and like really cherish them and totally. forget the plan. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm a teacher. I'm supposed to have like discussion totally. questions and we're supposed to do the reading. And it's like, right. yeah, but also this is a weird time. And so if we need to take a moment and talk about the travel ban, <laughs> because there are students in the class that are from some of these countries, then that's what we're going to do. Yep. Totally. That's it. I'm glad that you're feeling better. Sorry that you had to go Good. through that. Great. Yeah, thanks. It's okay. Um, awesome. Yeah, I, I miss I miss our lengthier check-ins and discussions about current events, but do do tune into our bonus app if you have access to it. And we will we will get back to that kind of stuff uh, soon. Until then, we want to share this very exciting interview that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We knew that our our pals, Lacey and Kat, uh, we knew we wanted to have them on as guests. And their book just hit the shelves, or at least the pre-order books are out now. So we we all got our copies, our us pre-order folks. Um, and we had a really lovely conversation with them uh, talking about a lot of sort of behind the scenes stuff of their process and um and a little bit of about their relationship that we didn't get to see in the book so it was really fun. Uh do you want to say anything else before we Wayne's world our way to uh, No, I'm usually not a capitalist but seriously like buy this book. It's like $10 or $15 on Amazon. It is like well worth the money. I never promote stuff mm-hmm. like that is not my jam but like buy the damn book. It you need to. Mhm. Anyways, on that note. Okay, so we are so happy, so happy to have our friends and fellow podcasters, Lacey and Ket, with us. Their official names are Lacey Davis and Jim Kettner, but we will call them Lacey and Ket in this episode. (laughs) And we are here... You're welcome. We're here today to talk with them about their new memoir, Ink in Water, in which Ket illustrated and Lacey, it's like Lacey's memoir. That's a good summary, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you all are sick of summarizing the book, so I'll just do it for you. It is a story about uh, (laughs) Lacey's, see, this is an interesting thing, like battle, struggle, you know, experience with, you know, whatever word is actually, Lacey, I'd be curious which one you prefer, because uh, I know mm. those all hold weight, but experience with eating and exercise disorders and kind of your path through that. And then, of course, there's some romance thrown in there. And <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I I just kind of want to launch into questions. But Rachel, do you want do you have any like intro stuff you want to say before we start nerding out with them? Uh, you can just jump right in. Go ahead. Okay, so in all of your publicity, I haven't seen a lot of questions about this. So I wanted to kind of get at both your publisher. So I noticed your publisher also deals with um, 
they are like self-help books kind of is mm-hmm. that accurate yep yeah um and so obviously kat if you want to talk a little bit about the small press thing that you the deal that you made with the small press companies but um i'm really interested in the 12 step just to get real deep into it real quick um the 12 step <laughs> narrative that you have through there because as a 12 stepper myself going through Al-Anon, i had similar beefs with the system um but i'm still very like loyal not i don't loyal is the wrong word but i'm still like i don't i don't i have nothing bad to say about the 12 step programs but there is mm-hmm. like a lot of kind of gunk that goes along with it Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, Lacey, if you wanted to say more than what's in the memoir, but I was really interested in hearing more about that, um, that experience that you had through the 12-step program. Do you feel cool talking about that a little bit? Yes, I would be happy to. Um, so a thing, I have a lot to say that isn't in the book. Um, one is that a I really struggled with my representation of um, in the, in the book in particular, it's Overeaters Anonymous. Um, but I also have done Al-Anon in the past. I, uh, yeah. And I worried because I don't want to portray it. Like I think it's bad and dumb and I don't like it because that's not the truth. The truth is that the 12 steps really changed my life and some fundamental things I learned in 12 step programs. I like still carry with me despite, knowing that the 12 steps are not specifically for me at this time. Um, But that being said, when I first started Overeaters Anonymous, it gave me a thing to do that was not like count my calories and weigh myself and like obsess about hating myself. And while I definitely would share a lot about my struggles. Like it was, it just put a different lens on the way in which I was thinking about eating disorder stuff. And it it seemed more solution oriented than any, than anything else I had engaged in previously. Um, And also I feel like it became kind of another compulsion for me. So like my diagnosis for eating disorder stuff was never anorexia or bulimia or anything like my official doctor given diagnosis. My official doctor given diagnosis was OCD, um, which I definitely, I think that's accurate. I, I think I can like get really cyclical and obsessive about a number of things. And in that moment, moment food and body became the thing that were, that was the most damaging But at some point, I also became really obsessive with feeling like I needed to go to meetings at every second of my life and like Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing the 12 step right and that I needed to do it more and more. And like I became really obsessed with making amends and was doing them really constantly. And and the problem with the things that I obsess about with OCD is that it takes over my life. And so whether it's food or whether it's meetings, it kind of takes the emphasis out of the rest of my life, which is actually like cool and interesting. Like I like art and reading and writing and relationships and all sorts of other things. But when I'm like really hyper-focused on one thing, it can be damaging. Granted, I truly and deeply believe that I could have died 
from the ways in which my food obsession manifested and that had I kept going, like maybe I would have. And I don't think an obsession with meetings would do the same thing. And so in that regard, it was really helpful. And also just knowing that I wasn't the only person that has struggled with food stuff was really helpful too. But I do think there's something to be said for going to support group style meetings for specific problems and overeating, especially in the beginning, was not my specific problem. And so sometimes things in meetings were like there are people in Overeaters Anonymous that like thank the grace of God for helping them stick to their meal plan. And like mm-hmm. that for me is not reality and not helpful. And at some point got really confusing because um, there's this book that talks about eating disorders as like sort of an external voice that they call Ed, which is like way too cheesy for for it to feel like really relatable for me. But I do relate to like the eating disorder voice being so, so, so fucking loud that it's really difficult to differentiate that from like my higher good inner self. And when I would go to meetings about recovery and people would like thank God for sticking to their meal plans, I would wonder like, oh, maybe I should have a rigorous meal plan that I should be sticking to, which was literally exactly the opposite of what I needed and was a part of the problem. So um, ultimately, OA did not, was not created to help me with my specific problem and also used rhetoric and language that could never resonate with me long term and also became an unhealthy obsession for me. So... That's yeah. what I have to say about that. Yeah, it used to be a much bigger part of the book as well. Yeah, one, the original draft. The original draft of the book, the twelve steps stuff, was like half of the book. But ultimately, and I really needed to write all that out. I needed to write what every step meant for me and what it did for me. And the editors were like, "So wait, this isn't ultimately the thing that made you feel better?" And I was like, "Well." No. no. And they were like, probably it should be shorter than right. like, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. correct. Thank yeah. you, editors. So yeah. Yeah. But it was clearly prominent and 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 you know, and it is the beginning. It's the sort of that's the entry point of the book before we get the backstory. And I love mm-hmm. I love that transition about being emotional in a basement. I like mm-hmm. that's such a good a good line because we talk about emotions in the meetings in a church basement versus emotions at a punk show in a basement. So yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't know all that. Mel, did you have any other follow-ups you wanted to do? I didn't mean to steal. No, I was, I would just add just anecdotally to Lacey that um, I think when you were talking about some of your struggles with the 12 step program being centered on having a higher power and your struggle with that. I mean, I think that'll help a lot of people because I think a lot of people think, you know, go through that same struggle, but also, you know, more lately, Um, Mm -hmm. I really struggled with the anonymity aspect of it, which includes politics. And so I I was struggling for a while Mm -hmm. with um, having, you know, going to meetings and like talking about my anxiety, but not being able to really talk about specifically why it was causing me anxiety. Like because Donald Trump is like a racist asshole because you're not like that. You're supposed to keep politics out of everything. And I ended up kind of just fading away from that for a little while because (laughs) It was hard, you know, there's rules in the 12-step program that are there for a very specific reason, and I totally respect them. But sometimes when your life is a little more 
non-normative, I guess, or maybe on the fringes, it's a little bit harder to like kind of find yourself in them. And so I was personally struggling with some like... Yeah, that's hard for me. I mean, mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> yeah, I cannot like depoliticize my... I, I can only imagine if I was in step 12-step programs now, it would be nearly impossible for me to leave that out of um, my dialogue because it... <laughs> I mean, this is probably true for everyone. Like, I have not relapsed in my eating disorder, but the political situation has dialed up my neuroses in a number of ways. <laughs> I feel significantly more anxious and depressed than this time a year ago, and that's kind of all there is to it. Can I say, though, the ways in which 12 Steps really helped me? So a tool that I learned in 12-step programs that has never... um left my wellness practice is a gratitude list and my particular group of friends in 12 steps also did affirmations so when shit sucks for me like the easiest thing to turn to is a like considered regular like actually written out practice of affirming that I'm fine and I'm doing good work and I'm trying my best and that that's good and noble. And also noting the things that I am grateful for because it's very easy for me to perseverate on the things that I'm depressed or anxious about and and totally spin out and lose track of reality. And I feel like that's a tool I learned in 12 steps that I will return to like probably until I'm dead because it's just super duper helpful to shift my focus. I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can we take a step back? So Mel dove right into the sort of content, but I would like to backtrack to sort of what, what was the conversation that motivated you to, to collaborate on this? Uh, What, what inspired you to do that? What was that conversation like that you thought, yeah, let's do this together? Gosh, well, it it used to be a totally different book. Yeah, uh, here's what happened. There's this group on the internet called Binders Full of Women. Mm-hmm. And it is, maybe y'all are in the group. Yep. It is a group uh, for women writers and people in the writing industry to network and help each other and that sort of thing. And in that group, I was like, I have, I have an idea for a young adult novel, but I wanted to write, I wanted it to be a graphic novel. And Kat is my partner and very good at comics. And so that seemed like a given as a collaborator. But I wanted to write like a health textbook. Yeah, this mm. was like when you were when you were teaching health yeah. in high school. Mm. I was teaching health in high school and the health textbook was the most glorious piece of shit <laughs> yeah. the kids totally hated. And it was just like so unrelatable and like written in 1990 Mm -hmm. and you know just like such a piece of trash and I was like I could write a better one and then I said that in the group and then a an editor at a young adult imprint was like I'm interested let's talk about this and when we fleshed that out we realized that actually writing a health textbook is an extremely ridiculously large endeavor and I'm not an expert in any regard about many topics that would be um, in a health textbook. And she was like, if you're really going to write a t- health textbook, you need um, doctors and nurses and yeah. specialists to co-write it with you. And I was like, uh, this is quickly becoming an idea that I'm not passionate about. Mm. And so 
we toyed with the idea of it being just a like nutrition body image self-esteem type textbook but geared towards young adults yeah and we did pitch pages based on that sort of iteration of the idea so i did like maybe like three or four pages of art and the art style was like vastly different from what it ended up as but that was sort of a, you know the this the pitch as it as it stood with this one publisher and it kind of was going through the process and i feel like we were having check-ins with this editor mm-hmm. pretty regularly about and it and she liked it she was like mm-hmm. very into the idea on board it seemed like it was going to happen and then she was like you'll hear from me next week and then we just didn't hear yeah mm-hmm. and we didn't hear and then finally i reached out to her and she let me know that she was leaving the the uh, publishing house and passed my information on to a, a guy who was taking her place and he was just like patently not interested <laughs> like yeah. did not give a shit and so that kind of died yeah it was like on the top of one editor's stack and then it was at the like the, the bottom of like not e- it wasn't even in the realm of consideration <laughs> for this guy he was just like this is not viable and i was like okay Weird how you can feel so close and then so far away. Um, mm-hmm. And then a guy that Ket, Ket went to grad school for writing and a guy that he... This is this is like half a year later, at least. Yeah, maybe a year. It was a long time It later. was a long time. There was a, there was a very long gap. Um, yeah, yeah, this guy um, got a job working for New Harbinger, which is the imprint that published our book. And he was like, hey... You know what's really hot? Graphic novels. Yeah, he, 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 he basically reached out to me uh, saying that, you know, he was working as an acquisitions, acquisitions editor and, uh, you know, the publisher was looking to get into the graphic novel market. And would I be interested in possibly being teamed with a, a writer on, on a book? Because he knew I was a visual artist as well. Oh, and P.S. Um, do you know anyone writing a mental health story? Right, and he happened to be like, oh, and by the way, do you happen to know anyone who's, like, doing work in this field? And it's like, well, Lacey and I already have a pitch that, like, you know, got to the precipice of being published. Do you want to see it? And he was like, yeah, totally. That's a very liberal... I wouldn't say it was at the precipice. Okay, well... <laughs> it was like it in, was it was like in uh, thinking about getting into the boxing ring. <laughs> <laughs> the boxing ring yeah the precipice of the boxing ring i don't know if we've ever if that's a metaphor or that's an idiom that's in in use no, we're, we're, the precipice of the boxing ring we're artists we make new things all the time <laughs> we are writers um so so yeah so so uh we sent that pitch along to him and yeah and then it just sort of entered in this new this new phase this new process and the back and forth that we had with the team at New Harbinger, you know, I made new pitch pages. Yeah, they they decided they didn't want it to be geared towards young adult audiences. They wanted it to be geared towards adults. Mm-hmm. Well, first it was teens. And so I did pitch pages based on like teens. And then they were like, they were like, make, just kidding. Can you, can you make this more punk? They act, those, those yeah, those were the actual wow. words. They, and we were like, like, we were like, 10-4. 10-4, <laughs> cool. Yeah. We're um, going to use swear words in everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then on our honeymoon, they were like, you got it, dudes. Yeah, we, we oh, found out, cool. we found That's out so finally. Funny. So that, that was, the, that all those conversations were happening like the summer that we, that we got married. And then we found out for sure that, that it was going through like, as we were, coming down off a mountain <laughs> we yeah. were like so so that was pretty cool it was a cool way to find out and then yeah then the next two years of our lives have been making the book right yay <laughs> it is amazing to me how like 
when we got the book deal, we were like ignorant about the process of writing a book. And so we were so excited and just like over the moon. But what we didn't know is it's really hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And then it comes out. Our book is not officially out, but lots of people have it because it has shipped from the Amazon pre-orders. And it's kind yeah. of like almost anticlimactic or something. Like it's like, oh, there's two years of our life out into the abyss. I don't know. Do you feel like that? Um, no, I, I, I feel pretty, pretty good about it. I mean, it doesn't feel like, you know, I wasn't expecting like the world to change color, like (laughs) now that people have read it. Um, so maybe my expectations just weren't that it was going to be like so monumentally life-changing, but it, it does feel nice that I'm used to kind of laboring by myself on, on these projects. Talk about OCD, like just like full on, like, oh, 270 pages to obsess over. But, you know, very few people aside from me and Lacey had seen them, you know. So no, for me, for me, just the fact that people are reading it and appreciating it feels, feels pretty nice. I mean, yeah, I feel good about it. No one hates it yet. Yeah, someone will. Someone is going to read it and be like, this is the worst piece of shit book I've ever read in my life. (laughs) So that we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Only a matter of time. So I have a follow-up question about collaborating together. Um, When I was reading, what actually was I was thinking was like, wait, like Ket has to draw Lacey's ex-boyfriend and like all this stuff in the past that like Ket wasn't really familiar with. So Ket, do you mind sharing a little bit about how that experience was? Because that was definitely in the forefront of my mind when I was reading some of the parts where I knew you weren't in Lacey's life yet. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting, and I I asked a lot of questions. Um, I was I was always asking Lacey for reference, and you know I would do I would do sketches of some of the characters a lot in advance. You know, there's very you know one of the characters who's very important, um, Gia, the the person who Gia is based off of. I only met once, um, but of course I was asking lots about you know sort of you know, what she was like at, at the, at the earlier points in, in the book. But yeah, I just think that the, the fact that Lacey and I are, are partners, the, the sort of intimate nature. I mean, there's a lot of trust involved in, in, in working in memoir in general and then having it be a collaboration. I don't know. I just feel like we were sort of like in a unique position to have that level of trust to like share these really gnarly moments and, mm. and, you know, uh, just, just, parts of our past that we that we knew anyway you know we we it's not like I was surprised by any of the content of the of the earlier book but it was more like I just felt a responsibility to do all of those scenes and all of those characters justice because they were my partner's memories and experiences so there were some things though like like Ket has never been to a 12-step meeting Mm -hmm. and in the early drawings there would be like Sometimes there would be things that would never happen in meetings. Like he would draw like crosstalk happening. And I'm like, any person that's ever been to a 12 step meeting knows that like that would (laughs) never, ever happen. Like you have to change that. And also in the er some of the earlier drafts, um, Ket made the character Henry like kind of meaner than he was like i i felt a real responsibility with that character in particular because it was a dude that really really hurt my feelings and our breakup sparked some really challenging things in my life however it was important for me to note that he was 
actually a very good partner in a number of ways, which is why I was so sad when we broke up. And he isn't an evil person, like, at all. And although he had some issues that definitely, like, came out and I internalized them, that is not to say that he's, like, a mean devil man. And I feel like as someone's current partner, it... It must have been like kind of challenging to pick up on that nuance, but I think eventually. Oh, no. I, I I specifically didn't. <laughs> no, I think that's kind of funny because I have a different experience of that. There were some there were some panels like in the in the scene where I came back drunk. You were there was like you put put like him being more mean about it, and he really wasn't at all. It was just kind of like yeah, that was a scene where I think I drew drew him as more of an asshole. But the um one of the things that I was thinking of was. Was I guess it's it's the it's the funny thing. It was like I know how impossible Lacey can be. So, what do you mean? <laughs> so, oh, right. so, so sometimes I would be drawn, and I would be like, it's like oh, like I would definitely not try to villainize this guy. Yeah, like one of my favorite early scenes. Stop, stop! Let me flip through the book. Lacey keeps like reaching the, over. And, the like, entire time we've been talking, Ken is just obliterating this copy of our book by flipping through. Continuously. <laughs> well, let me flip. All right, stop policing my flipping. Uh, one of my favorite early scenes uh, to draw actually was the scene. It's like uh, Lacey and uh, Henry's first date, and like it was just like one of my favorite things to draw is 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 kind of extended scenes of conversation and sort of the character acting, and so that that was. For me, really fun, actually. I I, yeah. I had a, I got a big kick out. What of that. about the sexy scenes? Was that weird? No, nah, it was it. Whatever. I'm not weird about that stuff. It's like you mean that you've you slept with other people? What? So many other people. What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've really my, I've my, been around the block. I'll tell you what. My virginal <laughs> image of my wife has been shattered, <laughs> and now all the internet knows about it. <laughs> no, um, it, it seriously was not that weird. Did he – so one more question about Henry and then we can move on. Did he really um, say, no, seriously, what is your take on Casavetes? No, he never said that. Uh, I, I, I that would have been – Ken likes to amuse himself. I, lo- I, I, love, to, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that I just threw favorite, that in his – favorite images. I, that was great. I threw, yeah, thank you. I, yeah. I threw that in as a gag. <laughs> I, just like I threw in – I threw in like the Mighty Thor cameo. Um, you know, there's, there's little things that I would do a lot in the background or, you know, to sort of extend certain, certain beats. What I like, what I like about the book that maybe other people will understand and maybe they won't is I know, um, from the experience of watching Ket illustrate this story that it was extremely laborious and somewhat boring at times. And so in many instances throughout the book, I can see moments where I'm like, uh, Cat like drew a little something to amuse himself there. Like here's here's a rights of spring record because Cat right. likes rights of spring. Or like right. here is that little quip from Henry that he definitely never said. He probably right. has never even listened to La Tigra. Like here's the mighty Thor and like all that stuff. And like here is like a drawing where my boobs are really booby. Like <laughs> looks like Cat is just <laughs> looks like Cat is just like. Putting little things in there to amuse himself. And because I know him so well, it's very... Um, if you're punk, you might see a lot of little references that you like. Yeah. But if you know Ket really well, you're going to see a ton of them. Right, right, right. That's you sweet. know, Philadelphia Philadelphia coffee shops. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's great. Uh, that's good backstory, guys. We're getting, we're getting the inside scoop. And also, like, really good, like, sex-positive relationship, like... Uh, models so thank you both um, 
So this is this is a question for Lacey because I know her Pisces romantic heart is is very invested. So a big we do get to see you and Kat fall in love in this book. So for our listeners, we don't want to give away everything in the book, but do you want to just tell us the short version of your love story? Yeah, I'll tell good, you. I'll good tell luck. You, I'll tell you the love story. It's not very short because I love to talk about it. <laughs> you have five oh minutes. I'm gonna go me okay. when it's been five right. minutes. I'll t- or how long does she get? Five to seven? Yeah, I think five seven. to seven minutes. <laughs> talk, talk fast, Davis. Because I also have questions for Ket, so, you know. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I You know, I just want to make sure that I, he I has time. My, I have, I have my own version of, of the love story, too. Okay. <laughs> which is, which is see, there's a cameo in the book, but go, go on. Okay, so here's the part that's not in the book. The part, the part that's not in the book, <laughs> Ket looks shocked that I was going to reveal the truth. The part that's not in the book is when, so I first started... No, no, no. Let me back up even more. When I was 19 years old, I dated a nice, nice man named Jordan Hollander. I moved to Philadelphia to be with Jordan from Oakland. I dropped out of college and was like, I'm going to follow my heart. And we dated for a couple of years. Ket is who I met. No, Jordan is who I met Ket through originally, although I do not remember that. And I tell him I don't remember that because I was in a relationship and I wasn't ready to see his splendor. Okay? (laughs) So... Jordan is the first punk I knew that got into fitness, and he started doing a workout called the Insanity Workout, which is something that you do at home. There's, like, videos of it. Mm -hmm. And when he started doing Insanity, the craze swept the punk nation of (laughs) Philadelphia, and all these punks started doing it with him, and they started a punk, or they started a blog called InsanityPunks.com, which you can currently find at InsanityPunks.blogspot.com. It's still there. (laughs) And... So, Ket moved to Philadelphia, like, the year I moved away, and so we have, like, one million mutual friends, but, and he had also lived in Portland, but not when I lived here, so we had all these people in common, but had never met in person, but I would see pictures of him on Facebook all the time and be like, hubba hubba, (laughs) and then, and then I stumbled across Insanity Punks, and there were pictures of James Michael Kettner. Mel, you're going to love this. You should really go look at the blog. <laughs> there were pictures of James Michael Kettner. I'm already on it. It says it's dated July or January 30th, 2012. Happy birthday, Kettner. To celebrate your special day, we completed the 60-day insanity workout cycle. <laughs> well, there were pictures of Ket in his bare-ass punk room. Uh, Mattress leaning against man- the wall. I mean, keep Mattress against the wall. You, you just talk. Extremely I'll sweaty <laughs> and flexing. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that is a fine ass human being. So <laughs> between, I, between like seeing pictures of Kat on Facebook and following along on Sandy Punks, I looked at pictures of Kat and was like drool, drool, drool for like a year. And then <laughs> finally I asked Jordan, I was like, hey, man, who the fuck is that? And he was like, that's my friend Kettner. You should tell him you think he's cute because he has notoriously bad luck with women. And Aww. I was like, all right, I'm on it. The um, part that's not in the book is I was dating a few people at the time. And I, Kat and I started talking on the internet after I sent him a message that said, hi, my name is Lacey Davis. I think you're the babeliest babe that ever babe. Do you want to be pen pals? Because that's how I show my love with letters, mm-hmm. like until I'm dead, letters and mixtapes. And, and, and I was like, yeah, hi, Lacey. I, we've no, met. I know, I know who you are. <laughs> we like, 
got went to this potluck together. We we're there's like photos of us in the same room, at the same <laughs> yeah, party. Babe, I wasn't ready to see you. Okay, okay? <laughs> it just well, the timing wasn't right. So I, but I had to break up with all the people I was dating, and that was kind of messy. Um, but anyways, <laughs> Ket, Ket and I had been talking a lot on Facebook chat, and mm-hmm. then. We were like getting to know each other and sending these really elaborate packages and like sometimes even talking on the phone. And then like he had started an application to a grad school where I lived. Before I had even started talking with Lacey. Yeah. And then abandoned it and was yeah. like, meh, I'll just be a punk. And the school contacted Kat and they were like, hey, we still have places in the program if you're still interested. And then he got into school in San Francisco and I lived in Oakland. And so that's when I had to break up with all the people I was dating. Mm. Um, much to the chagrin of some of those people. Uh, to, the, to the benefit of so many others. <laughs> to the benefit of Kettner's <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And I, but I was definitely like, I, I was definitely into the flirtiness, but I was definitely like, she's in an open relationship. Like, mm. I was seriously just like, this, she's really cool. I want to make out, but I was not thinking that this was going to be the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah, he thought he was he was hot piece of buns, flavor of the month. (laughs) And I mean, it could have been that way, but it wasn't actually. And and I had to break up with everyone that I was dating, not because he requested I do so, but because I was like, like, Ket thought I was just like trying to hit that. Hit it and quit it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I really like for some reason, I've been looking at pictures of this guy for like a year and I just, like, it sounds ridiculous, but I just, like, knew he was my person, like, right yeah. away. And I was like, this is a monogamous fellow. And even though to this day I am not particularly monogamous in any regard, but this is what works for our relationship. And so, and I knew that even then, even before we'd ever, like, met in person that I could remember. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna roll this dice and see how it goes. And then Ket moved, moved to the Bay, had a sublet. in an apartment that turned out to be infested with fleas and so i was like just move into my dorm room and i was like like that like sirens going off like bad idea bad idea bad idea see i like come from queer culture where it's totally fine to move in immediately like i was like i don't see i don't see the problem here i was like waiting for it to blow up in my face and then end up being like in grad school and like homeless right (laughs) but it didn't it didn't look at us now yeah it's cool you're down with my hour-long poops and and then it was okay. <laughs> and you were the worst RA in the world. Yeah. By the way, I lived in a dorm not because I was living in a dorm, but because I was the resident advisor in the dorm and I got free rent. Mm-hmm. And I was terrible. I was a very bad RA and sad students would knock on my door and I'd be like, shh, don't let them know we're in here. And Kat would be like, dude. And like, I'm like so responsible that I'd be like, you know, if you just like, like help them, they'll stop like knocking on the door and we won't have to like turn out the lights and pretend that we're not here. Which is awkward when you're in your thirties and there's like undergrads like knocking on your door. Yeah. Well, so we're not meant for all jobs. That's what I learned. Um, so I that was just going to say that um, in the, the secret history of how I actually met Lacey much earlier than she remembers in that scene that you were talking about, Rachel, where it flashes back to the, um, getting emotional in basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the, ba- I'm in the background of that. Oh, first that's panel great. That's a great the insurgent. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a little cool. shaved head, but you can see my unibrow on my lightning bolt t-shirt. <laughs> Things to look at page 13. 
Page 13, panel one. I was going to say, what page number are we right Page 13, here? panel one. Oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah. I know oh, that I guy. That's yep, cute. that's me. That's super that's cute. That's dude. <laughs> that's so that's the story. Cool. Did we do it yeah. in five to seven minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was close-ish. Um, but <laughs> yeah, people, people should buy the book if they haven't already to see it even more cutely in, 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 in images. Mel, I know I, I have uh, so many questions, but Mel, I want to make sure you get your, your fellow illustrator questions in since you're now also an artist. Yes, after Two classes. <laughs> nine hours in an illustration class, I now identify as an artist. All right, well, welcome. Welcome, so, Mel. Thank you. But actually, Kat, I was curious. Um, so um, just so you know, my favorite my favorite illustration is probably none of what you all would guess, but it would be technically 226 and 227, the bus that you, uh, yeah. that you illustrated. I like that one. And I love this one because um, it's kind of a mixture of, it looks like hand-drawn, kind of almost mm. like just a thumbnail sketch, but then also the stars are like paint, and then it looks um, kind of like digital as well. And so I was curious if you could talk a little bit about... Well, first off, I wanted to acknowledge like how much labor mm-hmm. you put into drawing all of this because like I can't even imagine yeah. how much time this took. And every panel is really fascinating to look at and I just really adore it. And so I hope that you get a lot of credit and admiration and respect for all the time that you put into this. Thank you. I it it did take a long time and I worked really hard on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only work it like to be real, it's like some of the only work I've done that I'm actually proud of that I could actually uh actually take a step back from and be like, you know what, that doesn't that's not terrible. That's that's okay. <laughs> Wait. No, it's pretty it's rad. Amazing. I like it's I like really I carry this book around and I'm like, look at what my this guy who like knows my name, look at what <laughs> he did. Like look at this. Also like amazing story, Lacey, yeah. as well. But so my question though is um how do you how do you draw stuff like this? Do you do a mixture of digital and hand or like what's the process for something like um, this? I this book was like a big leap of kind of like a leap of faith, uh, because it's the first thing I've done entirely digitally. I sort of realized just because of the timeline of publishing the book that I really didn't have time to mess around with scanning originals and and then, you know, having the, the mixed traditional and digital process. And so I really kind of had to trust that I would learn a new way of making comics and, and just like hit the ground running. And I actually think that you can really see a change in the artwork from the first few chapters towards the end. And really, like I like I knew that this that one of the central visual metaphor, metaphors was going to be the ink and water. Like Lacey and I had discussed it. I had done sort of test art about that stuff. And so it was really, it's like, okay, can I get that effect digitally? Also, I knew that I wanted the artwork to be digitally lettered because my hand lettering is terrible and it would take me a million. I would still be drawing the book right now if I had to do all Mm -hmm. the lettering and kerning by hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really just like, okay, well, I have this this program. I'm going to teach teach myself how to use Clip Studio Paint, which is a, you know, uh, it's also known as Manga Studio. It's a a digital uh, cartooning software and just sort of go for it. And yeah, and so I ended up using sort of like a mix of, of techniques from, you know, sort of more traditional pen and ink kind of style to a loose watercolory kind of look look to things. And, and as I was doing the book, I would experiment just like on a page. And I think that a lot of it has the sort of looseness that was that I that I ended up liking. But part of it was because I didn't have time to be a meticulous perfectionist about because I had to draw a page a day. I had to draw at least a page a day and I was drawing six days a week, like nonstop. 
Yeah, someone someone said this thing to me. Actually, it was Molly of Smash Everything. They said, I feel like I should read this page or read this book one page a day to really appreciate all the work that Mm. Kat put into it. But it's a compelling story, so that's very hard to do. And I was like, you know what? I, I really do. I want people to know, like, this thing took so long to draw. And Kat was working, like, 12 to 16 hour days, six days a week, like we said, and it it really is he would never brag but it's very impressive mm-hmm. like the the sheer volume of work that he put into it 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 definitely feels like my story and very personal to me but i really it was important to me that he also in addition to being acknowledged as the illustrator also had a co-author credit because he's the person that really intimately knows the flow of mm-hmm. comics and his skills kind of spliced with his editing like really made the book a thing. And, like, sometimes I'll see, like, Davis is an incredible illustrator or she really knows how to tell the, the flow of a story in graphic novel. And, like, actually, that's not true at all. And it really bumps mm-hmm. me out when people don't, you know, like, read the cover of the book and see that there are mm-hmm. two two people working yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... It was... It, oh, go ahead. Keep talking about your... I was, yes. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say it was a really interesting process, like... Um, and this is something like in the classroom because I, I teach comics. I talk about comics as being a collaborative medium. And one of the things that was really fun and interesting about the process was the the sort of give and take with it. You know, Lacey's original draft was in like a notebook, like a like a um, like a you know a lined paper notebook. And it would be like, okay. Yeah, I think when we first tried it, it was like, uh, it was, Lacey was writing like sort of long form essays. And I was like, this is going to take too long. You're going to have to make like rough comics. Um, and I was like, no, because I don't know how to fucking do right. that. Right. It's like, I can't like, I can't pick through like a two page essay and like make that into like a chapter, right. a chapter or whatever. Like that's, that's going to be a, like a lot more, a lot more work. Um, and so Lacey would do this sort of like rough comic and like you follow our Patreon for Adelcrash and you could sort of see that process that I put up for that that first month's comic is very similar to Ink mm-hmm. and Water. Like Lacey would do like a rough rough comic, it would be one or two pages, and then I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, how is this going to expand and, and sort of shape? And then I would do digital sketches, and then I would show it to her, and I'd be like, hey, like I sort of expanded this, or like I gave this character this dialogue, and sometimes she'd be like, oh yeah, that's great, and sometimes she'd be like, oh wait, this person would say this, or maybe do this like this, and because I was working digitally, it was really easy to just edit and just you know, it wasn't like I wasted a ton of drawing. And so I could just sort of like edit on the fly. And then once the, those pencils we, that we agreed on them, then I could, you know, execute uh, final final illustration style on it. So yeah, it was it was fun. It was it, it was uh, sometimes challenging, but I thought it was like a really cool process. And Me I, too. Just <laughs> like one more thing, I just wanted to point out about your illustrations, and then Rachel, you, you can have the mic. Um, I like how what I really appreciate is the switch from like very traditional comic style to, and it seems like when the chapters start, you do this, but also on eighty two, eighty three, where you have that circle. So Lacey's running, and then there's like different mm. panels around the circle. Like that in itself is like a piece of art that I would just stare at if it was in a museum which I wish museums would have art like this more. But, you know, but it also just um, for the reader, I think it, 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 you, it keeps you active because you don't just kind of settle into the traditional comic like, okay, I know where this is going to go. And all of a sudden you turn the page and it's like a totally different art design. And so mm-hmm. I found that to be very compelling as well. And I also kind of like sped read it because I like wanted I was just really curious in the story but I told my partner I was like I'm gonna have to go back and actually like do the Molly thing where like I sit and like really look at each page in detail because it's it's really beautiful so 
Thank you. I, I really, I really appreciate the time, you know, the, that, that attention, uh, to, to the art. I love that page too. Yeah. The 82, 83. That's one yeah. of my, that's definitely one of my favorites. Very sad. Yeah. Holy shit. Sometimes I look at this book and I'm like, what a nightmare. Uh, yeah. That poor person. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that was you. Oh, that was me. Cool. Um, yeah, no, a lot of it was very much, and this is something that I just tried to like carry through as, as like a mantra, like doing the whole book. And that was really just to sort of draw how I thought something felt. It was like super emo, you know? Mm, yeah. So, so mm, like not in, a, not in a cheesy way, but it was like, okay, like I'm not going to draw what this is exactly, but I'm going to draw what I think it feels mm-hmm. like. And so yeah. sometimes that would mean that the moments got bigger or looser or more expressionistic as like the situation called for. Yeah, yeah. you see that very clearly. It's, yeah, I've, I mean, I've read it three times, like largely because of wanting Ow. to notice the, well, I got, I got a chance earlier since I got the PDF for bitch. Um, oh, so, yeah. so that was my first go around and then since and then I was sick this week so that was great so I got to read it twice while I was at home sick <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect being sick is awesome right. you get to read comics exactly, exactly. <laughs> I wish I could get sick that, that sounds great uh, it was really crappy but that's okay um, it, but this was worth it uh, so yeah no it's it really is it's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece of a book in terms of art and story and y'all are both totally amazing I hey. want to that's the sound of us high-fiving. Love it. Oh, how Noted. appropriate. Could yeah. Could we could ask so many more questions, and I, you know, I didn't have any sort of talking about the relationship between Lacey, your story, and feminism and punk is like, we could say so much, but I sort of, for the sake of time and for the sake of just wanting people to really get their hands on this book and dive into it and make their own connections of those things and uh, think about how those things relate in their own lives. Mel, what do you think? So as our last question, um, we're as... Well, I've published something. Rachel has had many things published as well. Well, I have a book. And by the way, I'm really, I, I like that your publisher kept the cost low because I think that's really, really important, at least via Amazon and Amazon is evil in some ways. What, I know you mentioned the publishing world before, but if you want to speak a little bit more to that and especially working with the press that you did and then you have this collaboration with us you know, a small printing press, which if people don't listen to adult crash, you might not have gotten the story, but I think it's actually really unique, um, very counter hegemonic in the publishing world. So would you like to riff a little bit more on the publishing world as we close out today? Hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm scared of what I'll say. Um, here's I mean, I have bo- a lot of negative things to say too, so it's not like you're the only one. It's um, okay. Here's the thing about our publisher. They have never published a graphic novel before. They have no idea how to edit comics. Maybe they do now because yeah, we gave them a few stiff talking <laughs> twos. Yeah, they're, we're their, we were their training wheels for, for that um, process for sure. And they don't understand me sometimes so like they would be like hey can you make this like they were like can you make this more like this and I'd be like no because that's not what I'm like or who I am like they were like you were a feminist why did you have an eating disorder and I'm like yeah that's a great question (laughs) exactly riddle me that that's the the million dollar question like there's no answer to it really I mean there is an answer but it's 
our politics do not absolve us from our socialization. Right. Also, they really wanted to see like more about my childhood and I am not willing to write that book right now. It's just not the right time. Yeah. You know? So we battled our publisher a lot. Like they would want us to change things or they would want us to change things after it had already been inked when it is like when you when something is penciled, it is pretty easy to change. When something is inked, it is not appropriate right. to ask for it to be right. changed, yeah. in my I, opinion. I, I had to like talk to them about timetables constantly where it's like, okay, well, if you're requesting this level of edits, that means that many more days. Right. Yeah. Like on the calendar of drawing to get that done. Yeah. Um, and like it took a long time before that really sunk in for them. Um, that was that like, was like a very long time. Yeah, that was really challenging, I have to say. And that's not to say like they had really good structural edits. Like we were talking about the change to the um, to the OA portion of the book. Like that was all great. Their sort of big view on the structure was very helpful in in us writing our second draft. But some of their micro edits were like so wrong headed, and and just for someone who reads comics and makes comics, like they would constantly want things to be just spelled out for the reader yeah where where it's like the whole intent is sort of like oh no that that's information to be absorbed digital uh visually and like sometimes what's being said and and what you're seeing are different are different they in play fact if, if it's a good comic what you're reading and what you're seeing are inevitably going to be different because the point of a visual medium is to add to the story not to draw the exact same thing that you just said mm-hmm. you know yeah they didn't they didn't really understand so working with them in terms of the editing process was very frustrating that's one thing i'll say about being published the other thing that i will say is that i am a person that struggles a lot with imposter syndrome and i'm constantly worried that i'm accidentally gonna fuck up and then everyone's gonna know i'm a bad person and having this story available to the world and having you know like there's people in the book that are still alive that i've changed (coughs) details but they can maybe tell that it was based on them and, like, the thought that they might be mad or offended or think I'm bad or, like, you know, that stuff, like, definitely rings in my consciousness. So as more and more people read it, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> everyone's going to know the truth, which is that I'm a terrible person, which is probably not true. But, you know, we all struggle with definitely. that, right? Well, I do. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Phew. Yeah. Yeah. So why, I know you guys gave the back, sorry, just one quick follow-up question. I know that you gave the background of why you chose the publisher you did, but Mm -hmm. um, is there a reason you didn't go with a graphic novel? Like if you had to do it over again, would there have been room for you to talk with graphic novel publishers? It's, well, it's just interesting because I feel like the book only came about in its current form because of our conversation and back and forth with our publisher, New Harbinger. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? It, it, It would feel it would have felt wrong to just like sort of pull out and be like, oh, hey, like with our conversations, we've developed this idea into something really, really neat. We're going to like take it away from you now. You know what I mean? Like we, we sort of felt like it's like we should try to follow through. If we ever came to like a real impasse with them, then we would have had the opportunity maybe to like buy back the rights by like giving back part of our advance, you know, the, all yeah, of our, or, well, give back the, the half of the advance that we got yeah. while we were working on it and then try to shop it around. But, but it never got no. that far in terms of our dissatisfaction. It was just frustrating, but not like deal breaking. My impression of the publishing world is you cut your teeth on kind of what you can get. And then like, I just kept being like, our advance is relatively low and it's very low for two people. And these people don't totally understand the medium of a graphic novel, but I think it's good enough for our first novel. But you bet your britches that if we do, like, we 
If in, we, when in, we. When we do work together, graphic novel work in the future, we're going to like aim for people who understand the medium right. better. But I don't, that being said, I don't feel bad that it is what it is because the point of the book, when all is said and done, is to help people. And New Harbinger Publications is a self-help imprint. And so people that are looking for help will find it because yeah. it's from New yeah. Harbinger. So that's good. That is Yeah, great. no, we're, we're, we're stoked about that. Great. Great. Uh, we love you, you both, and we are grateful that you took the time to talk to us. And we no, thank love you. your I'm... book. And we'd like to invite you to say for our last segment of the show what we are reading, watching, listening to this week. Can we do it real fast since I have to go to Oh, my bed. gosh. <laughs> yes. Great. Um, do you all want to start so we can think for a minute? Um, <clears throat> you were supposed to prepare beforehand, Lacey. <laughs> and if really you're not going to take this podcast seriously, <laughs> then maybe you shouldn't be a guest, okay? Okay, I can start then in that case. No, that's fine. I'm just saying, okay? Rachel's got to go to sleep. By we, I meant Kettner. <laughs> Dude, sh- should I go? Um, wh- what I'm reading is I'm still reading, graphic novel-wise, I'm reading Out on the Wire by Jessica Abel, which... It just cool. lives in my backpack, and I, I love it, but I still haven't finished it. I'm also listening to the audiobook of The Exorcist, because Halloween season is, is happening. <laughs> um, I'm watching... What am I watching? I'm watching lots of YouTube videos, which is, is typical. Par for the course. Par for the course, is just like watching YouTube videos. Um, and I'm listening to... I'm actually listen, listening to a bunch of, of good new stuff. The new, the new Limprist record is really awesome. Um, I thought you were going to say Limp Biscuit. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, the new Limp... Yeah, I'm really... It's the best. Yeah, no, the the new new Limprist, this band S21 that just broke up, unfortunately, but I've really really liked their stuff lately. Yeah, just like lots of... I went on like a band camp binge and have been listening to, to lots of stuff. This band Fury... That I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about. Yeah, good stuff. And you know what? That'll be on one of the upcoming episodes of Adult Crash when I'm going to do a playlist. Cool. So you can mm-hmm. hear more of that. I am reading Diary Comics by an artist named Kevin Budnick. Mm-hmm. He is a comic artist that also has a Patreon, so you can get his weekly comics. And he is a guy that has struggled with anorexia and he has a lot of his comics are about like mental health and body image and stuff. And I just it's really like interesting to see the ways in which it is the same as Mm -hmm. the ways that I've struggled and the Mm. ways in which it is different. Um, I love his work. His drawings are also just beautiful. And the way he tells stories is like heart wrenching. And I really think everyone should check him out. Yeah, follow on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He's it, oh yeah. You can get a bunch of his content for free just on Instagram. I think his Instagram name is Kevin Butnick, so easy enough. I am watching a show. Well, I am watching Twin Peaks. I just finished the new season, and so I'm not currently watching it because I'm done. But I would like to watch it again over and over and over <laughs> again until I'm dead because I really enjoy it. And I know it's problematic, and I would like love if there are like other feminist theorists that are interested in Twin Peaks and we can like talk about it that'd be really nice I um, promise you they exist and they're at the conferences I go to I'm, 
and they write yeah. about it and talk about Introduce it. Me. I just I'm not that person because it's <laughs> too creepy. But go ahead. <laughs> but they they exist. I totally yeah. understand. And I am listening to my friend Stacy's band Longclaw. Mm-hmm. They're very very good, and they just made a record called Patterns, and I love it, and I think everyone should buy it. And I am biased because I think she's one of the best people ever, but also it's very good. That rad. What about you? Okay, my turn. I am reading Emergent Strategy, which is the Feminist Killjoys PhD book club book that wasn't supposed to be a, um, what do you call it, a plug, but it's literally what I was reading this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, I binge watched One Mississippi last night, which is Tig Notaro's show, and mm. um, she has a really cool backpack during season two. <laughs> FYI, cool. if you want to check it out, Jan Sport. And just happens that my friend that I'm taking my illustration class with has like almost the same backpack. And she also reminds me of Tig Notaro. So there's just a lot, like a lot of life layers happen, happening there. And then in terms awesome. of listening, I am listening to Adult Crash. Oh, I like I really like it. Um, <laughs> Great. Like I'm like, oh, my God, like emo punk. Like it's just weird. It's taking me back. So I really appreciate that. I also am listening to just like Spotify radio. So Lacey, welcome also to Spotify. Uh, so exciting. <laughs> I couldn't believe how cool it was when I finally figured it out. I know. I've also discovered Twitter this week. It's really neat. Oh, Lacey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way ahead of the game on that one with you, but that's cool. That's I welcome you to Twitter. Um, thank you, thank you. And uh, yeah, because I've been kind of in a rut with music, and so I've been just trying to just listen to like an assortment of lady music. Just to I don't know, I need some new CDs for my car. So that's a problem that people in 1998 have. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel. Well, it was a weird week because I was sick, so it was so. I mean, literally, I read I read Ink and Water, so that is what I read this week. I watched. I tried to like find bad movies mm-hmm. to watch. Well, you know, like movies when you're sick, so you watch bad movies. But there was like not good bad movie content on that I that I watched. So I watched this movie, 20th Century Women, which was like supposed to be a good movie and I couldn't decide if I liked it or not but it was with Annette Benning and um, a cute guy whose name I forget Billy Crudup I think or something it was like kind of it was okay I was sick I don't know who knows and then I was listening to I was finally well enough to teach my sculpt class again and so I was trying to get some new new jams on my sculpt class playlist and um, that Cardi B song is like solid as fuck uh, yellow do you guys know no yellow Boda Bebodoc or something. It's like the new like hip jam rapper mm. lady song. Um, <laughs> every time I say yeah, no every time right. I say rapper anyway. uh, like out loud, I'm like, oh, it just sounds painful, and I want to cringe. It's the rapper, <laughs> the girl. rapper girl lady. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really like, it's like a hot jam, and you like are gonna want to do squats to it. I cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I know this song. I know this song. It's good. It's real good. Can I just mm-hmm. be honest, though? What? When I heard the song, I was like, why isn't just like Lizzo and Girl Party all over the radio? Then, I know. If this counts as like I know. the jam. I was like, mm, I know a couple other ladies that like do that. have some pretty rock and hip hop, and this is not. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I have heard this. Yeah. Because I, I, my ears perked up because of who is rapping. Right. The rapper. Right. The rapper is a, a female. Yes. <laughs> a lady MC. Oh, boy. Yes, oh, exactly. Guys. <laughs> All right. Um, Very good beats on that song, guys. You should check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you thank again. You. This was great. We'd love to have you back for your next your next book, Yay. your next yes, project. Yes, in five years. <laughs> in five years. Yeah. <laughs> right.
both, I don't wanna choose. And I'm quick, cut a nigga off, so don't get comfortable. Look, I don't dance now, I make money moves. Say, I don't gotta dance, I make money move. If I see you now speak, that means I don't fuck with you. I'm a boss, you a worker, bitch, I make bloody moves. Now she say, she gon' do what a who? Let's find out and see, Cardi B. You know where I'm at, you know where I be. You in the club, just to party, I'm there, I get paid a fee. I be in and out them bench so much, I know they tired of me. Honestly, don't give a fuck about who in front of me. Drop two mixtapes in six months. What bitch working as hard as me? I don't bother with these hoes. Don't let these hoes bother me. They see pictures, they say goals. Bitch, I'm who they tryna be. Look, I might just chill in some babe. I might just chill with your boo. I might just spill on your babe. My pussy feel like a lake. He wanna swim with his face. I'm like, okay. I let him get what he want. He buy me East and Laurent in the new whip. When it go fast as a horse, I got the trunk in the front. I'm the hottest in the street. No, you probably heard of me.